Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. This episode brought to you by Larry H. Miller Honda. Larry H. Miller Honda is located centrally in the Salt Lake Valley, home of the price protection guarantee. If you find a lower advertised price within seven days, we'll refund the difference. See website or dealer for details. Located at 5808 South State Street in Murray, Utah, or on the web at lhmhonda.com. Good morning and Happy New Year, my friend. Of course, every year when entering a new year, we all tend to reevaluate life and as a result tend to set goals for the new year to come. We talked about goal setting in Season 2, Episode 1. Statista.com states, though, that the number one goal made each year, which I'm sure we could all guess this, has to do with our health. Well, one area I personally tend to reflect on each year when I'm looking at a goal to make is my parenting. What's working? What's not working? Where can we improve? All of that. And every year, I set out in a new year to help all of us get one goal of getting more sleep. (laughs) You know, the bedtime wind-down routine. Well, I recently took my kids to their annual checkup with their doctor, and the list of questions typically involve how many sugar drinks do you consume a day, or are you getting enough veggies? And of course, they focus on that sleep question too. That's actually how that came about to be one of my goals for each year. Now, thankfully this year, unlike how Forbes reports 80% of resolutions are broken before February, well, our doctor gave us the happy report that we were right on target with the kids' sleep. I was excited. (laughs) The new question, though, that got me thinking was about technology. You know, as I mentioned, they, they talk about the veggies and the sleep and all of this, but now they're asking about this thing called screen time, as our doctor put it. Now, when the doctor asked about my kids' screen time, my daughter was quick to take advantage of adding her bit of sass to the moment by telling the doctor that she's not allowed social media because her mom doesn't allow it. So she doesn't have to worry about the screen time there. Well, that is true. I have had my guard up to social media for teens. And the question always lingers more like my daughter always reverts back to asking about when is the right time for my child to have social media? Well, ironically enough, just as we were heading into this winter break, I received an email from our school district superintendent, and it was basically informing parents that there was a concerning issue going on with teens and social media, and they were asking parents to check their kids' sites. Now, I should mention that I was reading this email out loud to my daughter, and when I finished reading it, she just looked up at me, gave me the biggest eye roll, and then just very almost depressingly said, that didn't help my chances of ever getting social media did it. (laughs) Well, no, it didn't. But perhaps you're battling this same dilemma, or maybe your child already has social media access or even just basic technology use. But perhaps you have some questions to help keep them safe and healthy too. Boy, are we in for a treat today. We have called in the expert for all things technology and kids, and I am so excited to learn from her. I'm referring to our special guest today, Miss Arlene Pelicane. Now, Arlene Pelicane is a speaker, host of the Happy Home podcast, and author of several books, including Parents Rising, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, and the one that caught my attention, Screen Kids. 
Arlene knows her stuff, my friend. She has been featured on the Today Show and Fox and Friends and the Wall Street Journal. And one of my favorites, Focus on the Family. Arlene lives in San Diego with her husband, James, and their three children, and I'm so thankful for her willingness to find time in the midst of her daily demands to basically help us navigate through all of this. Welcome, Arlene. Thank you for being here with us today. So much fun to be with you, Holly. Thanks for having me. Now, we have so much to unpack today that I just want to dive right into probably what's on all of our minds, and that's how do we know we even need help with this issue? Meaning, what warning signs can we look for of our kids being on the screen too much, whether that be gaming or TV or phones? Yeah. And you know, you kind of know in your gut, like you already in your mind when you're thinking, ah, that doesn't feel right. So there are things that you can look for. Obviously, if you see that your child has very different behavior, you know, different mood swings, uh, different interests. Like for instance, if your child used to love playing soccer, but now is like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to play soccer. I'd rather just stay home mom. And you know that they're gaming instead. So a loss of different interests, uh, mood swings, uh, emotional up and downs, more withdrawn. You know, usually you see them and then you're like, where is my child? <laughs> Why have I right. not seen my child for a very long time? It's like, oh, look at that. You're in your room a lot with your tablet. Great. So, you know, these are things if it's taken away that they freak out when they're, for, you know, when it's time for dinner or it's time for homework, that that's becoming more of a battle. Anything, if you feel like you are having any re- recurring conflict you know, then, you know, like there's, there's something up here, you know, if once in a while your kid's like, Oh, just give me 10 minutes. And, you know, that happens once a month, then you're probably okay. But if you're finding that you are butting against this over and over and over again, then, you know, okay, you know, they're sneaking around to use it. They are up in the middle of the night using it, things like this. These are all really, really big red flags that something is wrong. Okay, good to know. I know for my son one time, he uh, was just having a little bit of sass with me where it was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> went too far, yeah. we were taking that off. So it, we were done. So that was kind of my warning sign at that moment. Yeah, like you are not acting respectfully toward exactly. me. And that is a warning sign. Like, where are you learning this? Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, with them being so much, and, and specifically, this is probably more for that social media side as, as teens tend to spend more time on their phones, how are kids even gauging success through their social media? Are, are there any trends we should be aware of? Yeah. You know, and you look at this and, and just think of us as adults, right? You know, I think about myself when I walk into an exercise class at the gym, I immediately look to the left, look to the right, and I'll say to myself, oh, wow, she's a lot bigger than me. Good. I feel good. Oh, she's a lot smaller than me. Oh, I feel awful. Like Mm, it's just human nature. And so you give a a teenager, a tween social media, and you're giving them this amplification of every single thing in their life. They're comparing like, oh, am I better than that person? Am I worse than that person? And it's this very toxic environment. And, and, you know, the, the use is so, has so dramatically risen in 2012, 41% of teens had a phone, a smartphone. And then by 2018, already 89% of those kids have a smartphone. And in 2012, 34% of them are using social media many times a day compared to 70% in 2018. And what it does is you're, you're setting up your friendships in a very strange way that instead of a few close friends, that you know face-to-face, who love you, who support you, who have common interests with you, who know when you're at school and when you're not at school. Instead of that, we're exchanging that for like, oh, I just need this number. Like, I need to have the most followers because that must mean I'm really popular and I'm really worth something. Mm. So it's a very 
shallow way to live. And unfortunately, too many girls, mostly girls, you know, some boys, but mostly girls will think that, hey, if I'm going to be somebody, if I'm going to connect and have friends, I have to have social media. And the truth is, you know, and I, I'm the same like you, I have a sophomore girl and she does not have social media. She will not have social media through high school. And she's come to the place where she can recognize, you know, mom, I'd rather have one person in real life say, hey, you're a good person and I'm glad you're in my life, then have all these followers that she understands that that's a very shallow thing. But a lot of kids don't get that. And that's what they are measuring their worth. They're they're growing up asking the question, am I worth it? Am I beautiful? Who am I going to identify with? Who thinks I'm great? They're asking all these questions. And if they find the answers in social media, it's it's really a downward spiral. Are there good things on social media? Yes. But, you know, my friend, nurse Melanie Hempy talks about social media kind of like the dump. Like you can find good things in the dump. Like you can find some treasures in there. But most of what your kid is going to pick up is trash. And so do you really want them surrounded by that? True. Very good point. It's such a slippery slope. I know here in our area, there was a trend of destroying things on other people's property and then filming it to post on TikTok. Right. And here we are. We live in totally different parts of the country, I think. Um, I'm in San Diego. And same thing. Like our school will have all this vandalism. The bathrooms are closed. They'll be like, why are the bathrooms closed? Because they've been vandalized because things have been stolen out of them because it was a TikTok challenge. And she's like, okay. So as parents, for us to think, wait a minute, I am paying for that stream of TikTok that's going into my home. Like, I'm, yes. I'm not, I, like I don't want to do that. Like you as a parent, you do have a lot more influence and power perhaps than you give yourself credit for. Yes, yes. I love one thing that my dad has has shared throughout his ministry is be the parent. Don't let yeah. the kid be the parent. You be the parent. And and I think we're seeing more and more how prevalent uh, that that needs to be because we are having such issues. So such a valid point there. Yes. Now, help us understand the different ages or age groups, the, the basically the growing of our kids' brains at those ages. So we better understand yeah. how this is truly affecting them. Yeah. So if you have a baby, then, you know, you're thinking from birth to three years old, that brain is going to grow, 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 grow. And that baby needs no screen time. And what they instead need, they need to hold a real apple, not apple phones. They need to hold a real (laughs) apple. They need to crawl. They need to, you know, be hearing you. So really be very diligent. And I think, I feel like with our first child, we're pretty diligent with that. But by the time child two, three, four, whatever comes along, you're like, oh, all the older kids are on it. How am I going to keep my baby from watching this or my toddler, et cetera? But I say use that time with your older kids to say, hey, you know what? Baby Jack can't see that. So let's make sure that we put that away. And it's kind of a good way to make to put on the brakes with your older kids. But the reason being, just think of it like scaffolding in a building. Like you are your child's brain is really their fastest period of growth is in those first years. And if you give them all the building materials they need, they will be able to make a cathedral. But if you give an 18-month-old like, oh, let me just keep you quiet. Here, hold this tablet. And please, if you've done this, do not feel like, oh my word, I'm such a bad mom. I'm such a bad dad. Just listen and say, hey, next time I'm not going to do that. Um, It's just like, okay, instead of giving you this beautiful cathedral of a brain that you're learning how all these motor skills and you're listening and all these things, now all of a sudden you're, it's just, you're just watching on the screen and it's so, it's, it's, it's not allowing them to learn language. That's a big one, you know? So for, for you as a parent to really be vigilant on those early years so that your child can have more neurons literally and more paths 
to different things that are built in the brain. You know, they even show that if TV is on in the background, what happens is the parent talks less to the child because, you know, there's some, this noise on in the background. Whereas if there was no TV in the background, what would that parent be doing? Okay, let's go take a walk. Okay, let's go grab an apple. Okay, it's time for you to eat now. You know, they're talking to the child. So this is huge, whether you have a toddler or a teenager, they need that. You know, the, so the first set of big growth is those early years. The second set of big growth in the brain is the, uh, the, it's kind of funny is when your kid is going to become a teenager. So in this, you know, pre-pubescent age, their brain is also, what it's doing is it's pruning. It's saying, okay, let's clean up. We're going to be growing up. What's not being used here. And if it's not being used, let's take it away and let's strengthen what's being used. And what that means is if your kid, uh, Dr. Jay Geed from UCLA had said that, so, okay, what that means is if your kid is doing music and school and sports, then those are the things that are going to be strengthened. But if your kid's sitting on the couch and playing video games, then those are the things that are being strengthened. So really when you look at your sixth, seventh, eighth grader, and sometimes we can think, oh, they're just middle schoolers, that's what they do. But really as a parent, think of, wait, this is the brain, their brain right now is pruning. And their brain is deciding what's important for this kid and what's not important. Let's kind of clean house. And if all that's left there is, oh, here's your pathway to social media. Here's your pathway to YouTube. Here's your pathway to video games. You can kind of see that's a bit limiting. But if you've got like a service pathway, like, okay, they do volunteer work and they read books and they listen to music, they play music, they play sports, they hang out with friends in real life and talk to them. Okay, these are interpersonal skills. These are the things that are, they they use these these brain cells. We better keep them. So it is really important, uh, even for your middle schoolers, that you think, oh, that's just what teenagers do. They like sit in the room. No, that's not what they do. That's what they've learned to do because that's what we've given them. But then the absence of electronics, guess what? They'll go out and play. They'll go build. They'll do different things. So it's really important to do that. And then the last thing I just want to say about the brain is, you know, they have this prefrontal cortex. It's in the front of the brain. It's the executive decision center that helps your child know, you know, I've been playing for two hours. I probably should stop and like do some homework now. That part of the brain that helps them with decision-making is not yet formed. It's forming all the way through. They say it used to be in the early twenties. Now they're saying all the way to 30 because it's so delayed. And the reason it's so delayed is when kids are on video games, when they're watching really scary things, whatever, the body thinks, oh, fight or flight. Like this is we got to keep this kid alive. So all the blood goes to keeping those major organs healthy. It's all, and all the blood goes away from this prefrontal cortex. So it's very anemic. It's very weak. And so we have to think to ourselves, how do I strengthen that in my child? And the way you do that is through reading, through exercise, through talking to people, not through gaming, watching violent things, et cetera. So all these things, we just have to remember, this is the brain that your child is going to have for the rest of his or her life as an adult. And as a parent, like your dad says, we've got to be the parent and give them the best shot that they can have. Oh, that makes so much sense. All of that. I really like how you touch on the interpersonal skills, though, because so, so often as we're talking with especially teens now, I notice there's no eye contact. And it's, right. it's like I almost want to put my head down to where a phone would be if look at me. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. Let's talk yeah. eye to eye. <laughs> so, yeah. But you're right. We've got to help protect and, and nurture our kids' brains. But what boundaries and rules can we set to help our kids? What are some things that perhaps we could do in leading by example, perhaps? 
Yeah. And even going to your point, if it's your own child to say, okay, let's try that again. When you talk to someone, you have to look at them because it's a sign of caring. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of like, I see you. And so let's try that again. But this time, look at me. And literally you cup their head in, in your hands and turn it up to you. If you need to look at it, you can make it funny, you know, <laughs> yes, you can stare course. at them and stuff and make it funny, but, but train them that like, no, when you talk to people, you have to look at them. And one way, hopefully that you could also do that by example, is if you spent a day on purpose, not looking at your child, let's say looking at your phone all day while talking to them and then ask them, you know, or maybe just do it at dinner time. But did you notice a difference? Did that feel weird to you? And hopefully it will feel weird to them because hopefully <laughs> we are looking at them during the day, but it's also a check on us. So to answer your question, that boundary is modeling that when we talk to our kids, are we practicing what I call the pivot where you're on your device, you hear someone come into the room and you jerk away from your phone, looking at that person like a marionette doll, like someone just jerked you away from your tablet or your phone. Hey, how's it going? How was your day? Always preferring that person over electronics. Can you model that to your kids? You know, once in a while, if they catch you and you're like finishing a text and your head is down, that's not a big deal. But if over and over and over, every time your child sees you, you are not giving them eye contact. That's a problem. So that boundary begins with us. So modeling, this is what healthy technology use looks like. When we have a conversation, I will put my phone down, I will turn towards you, and I will listen. And I I want to listen. You know, they did a survey of 6,000 kids, and more than half of them said, my parents' worst habit is picking up the phone while we are in conversation. Mm. So that's a boundary that you say, that's not going to be me, and I'm going to teach my kids that's not going to be you either. So it's training them interpersonal skills. I think that's really, really key. And then, of course, like the 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 set kinds of things like no phones at mealtime, right? And maybe right now that seems overwhelming. Like what? Like even in a restaurant, like how would we ever survive? You know, no phone or tablet at mealtime, you know, then give it practice. Say, Hey, we are going to go out today. And none of us, we're going to leave our devices in the car. And instead, you know, we're going to play a game or we're going to bring them, you know, Mad Libs or we're like, like be prepared, like have something. So it's not this epic failure, but, you know, say we're going to do this different and start retraining your family, whether they're toddlers or they're teenagers that, Hey, we can have a family meal with no electronics. And sometimes it's the mom and the dad that have the hardest time with that. Now, obviously if you're an emergency worker and you have to have the phone, that's fine, but just keep it, you know, away from the table. If it rings, you'll hear it. And so meal screen free meal time, I think is a great boundary. No phones in the bedroom is a great boundary because then it forces whatever's happening to be in the living room somewhere that's open and definitely no screens overnight. So as your point is for sleep so that your child can get a decent night's sleep because most kids are not sleeping. And that's why you see so many attention problems and so many other things. So that's a good start. And then, you know, we can get into personally, I feel like when, whatever you're thinking, should I let my child have this phone? Is it time for them to play this more violent video game? Whenever you have that thought, just say, you know, let's just delay one more year. Let's just push that back one more year and revisit it. Like when you are wondering, should I delay? Yes, you should delay because think about it. Is there one parent that you know that was like, oh my goodness, I got my middle schooler a phone and it has been like amazing. Like my middle schooler is so happy now and talks to us all the time, is so loving, finishes all their homework, does all their chores. This is great. No, (laughs) every parent is like, why did I do that? Like, 
why didn't I wait? So push that back personally. You know, I, I like what Bill Gates did. He knows a bit about technology. He did not give his kids phones until they were in high school. Uh, I have a senior in high school who does not have a smartphone, who does not have a phone at all. They have, he has a Google voice number. And so he checks out on his laptop. So that's how he does his group chats with his friends and he makes it just fine. So I, I really am truly living this. I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but I'm saying you can do it this way. So push back that phone. Don't give a phone to an elementary school student under no circumstances. And if you need to get in touch with them, maybe they're getting dropped off by one parent, getting picked up by another parent, you know, get them a dumb phone uh, that just texts. That's, you know, not a smartphone. So that's fine. So think of why does my child need this phone and get it because of that, not because of the peer pressure that other parents and the kids are giving you. And then in middle school, I, I think it's not the right time. We're talking about that brain development and that's not the right time to throw that phone in the mix. And then the same thing now, video games, that's a hot topic. And for us, the boundary of just not starting that, that was the boundary we chose because we felt like that was Pandora's box. Now that's a kind of extreme view and I'm not expecting that everyone follows that. But I will say it works. It does work because video games, that's a huge problem, obviously, for boys and the addiction that comes from that. So you've got to talk to, you know, uh, whether you're married, uh, whether there are grandparents involved, have a family adult powwow, you know, and, and think this through. What do we want for our child? What boundaries is going to work for our family? And then once you set them, you really have to keep them. You, you can't waver and just think it's not about feelings. It's not about being popular. It's about keeping your kid healthy. True. That consistency is so important. Now, what are some tips to teaching our kids about being safe online? So even as you mentioned the gaming. Yeah. You know, and I would really tell your kids when you're with people online, they need to be people that you know in real life. And that's going to cross over very fast. You know, they're going to be somewhere and be like, oh, I don't know that person. What should I do? And and it's I, I think it really is that talk to them about, okay, we will let you play if you are playing with people you know. But once we don't know them, and this is very hard, so this kind of shows you how murky these waters are. So personally, I you don't know, like, I think it's language. You know, your kid is going to hear, hear a lot of language. It's like, do you want them to be exposed to that? You don't know. Obviously, you know, you always think of worst case scenario, but that worst case scenario is real. This is like a predator's dream that they can say that they're a 12 year old boy when they are a 40 year old man. You know, I mean, it's just like a dream world for a predator because all the kids are in one place already. So talking to your kids about, I think it's, there's a place for showing your children a video of like some person who thought they were meeting this 12 year old at a park and instead it was this 40 year old, you know, so show them this, that this is real, that you do not know who these people are. So you just need to interact with people that you know. And, and you also want this environment where if something strange happens, that your kid feels very comfortable coming to you and not like, oh, oh I'm going to get in so much trouble. So even if you're shocked, like, oh my goodness, you saw that pornography. Oh my goodness, you responded to that, whatever it is, like hide all that and just listen and be like, thank you so much for telling me about that. Let me think, and maybe in the moment you don't know what to do. Let me think about that, and let's talk about that again tomorrow. And then freak out with your friends <laughs> and with your support group and yeah. pray about it, et cetera. But your kids need to know that they can come to you because I feel like if they think 
my mom's going to freak out. They're not going to come to you. And that's when the problems start because they start hiding things. So make an environment where they can come to you, teach them to play with people that they know, and then let your girls know that they're going to be groomed. Let your girls know that when you're on social media, if you decide to make your thing public because you want more followers, that you're going to have, and this is the reason why I don't allow my kids to have social media, it is because they're going to, one, I think out of four girls will be sexually solicited on social media. And you, why would you want that, right? So you have to tell your girls, they're not just going to come out straight and say like, oh, send me a, a nude picture of you. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to start with, you are the prettiest girl. And they're just going to say that to you for four months. You are amazing. I love, and then by the time you are connected to this person who you've never met, right? That's when they're going to ask. And by then you feel very invested in this person. So I think teaching your kids that that's going to help them to be more skeptical. I feel like you have to teach your kids to be a lot more skeptical online than they currently are. Um, So those would be some places to start. But again, that's a really heavy bar for kids to lift. And that's why I would suggest that boundary of not giving your kids social media is a better boundary. Absolutely. Such a scary world out there and so much to protect them from. But more importantly, to, as you shared, teach them and, and educate them on. Now, yeah, and I haven't, you know, said, but, you know, on your computer to have the filters, all that is good. So do yes, that, like yes. filter out the bad stuff, get on your router and say these kinds of sites can't be accessed, make it more difficult. So that's all good. And you should do that. And then also understand, you know, they can access this from their friend's phone. They can access this from other places. So it's, it's really praying and teaching them to guard their heart. And at some point in their life, that's going to be transferred from you to the kid, that the kid's going to have to want to do it themselves. And that's what we're praying and we're training for. True. Now, there are some things our kids just need screens for, such as homework. What are some skills our kids need for this technology in this overall just technology-driven world? Yes. And it's a mess, isn't it? And that's yes. why it's not like drugs or alcohol where you can just say, just say no. Right. <laughs> you have to say yes, yes, because this child has to read their homework apparently. Yes. So I think you can, you can have the idea of digital vegetables and digital candy, which I talk about a lot that yes, there are vegetables that you have to consume. That's like math. And you know, no one came out of the pandemic thinking, oh my word, I'm so addicted to Google Classroom. I can't wait. You know, no one did that. So <laughs> so there's obviously technology that doesn't taste very good. Right. Okay. And those are the digital vegetables where you as the mom are saying, get on and go and learn your language or, you know, it's time for your piano lesson, you know, or whatever. So you can teach your kids this, that there's there are digital vegetables and those are things that you have to consume. That's like work for an adult, like real legitimate work is a digital vegetable. But of course, as you're doing your digital vegetable, all this candy is dancing around everywhere in your screen. And that's, you know, your YouTube, your movie trailers, your social media, all that stuff, your, the shopping, the things on sale, all that. So teaching your kids, okay, kid, there's digital vegetables, there's digital candy, there's good and there's bad here. The candy is meant to attract you. And we get that. And so as a parent, it's kind of like with the homework, it's tough because they'll say, oh, we're doing homework. Are you really? So it, for kids who care, you could say, hey, we're going to say, how much time do you think you need to finish your homework? Okay. You need 45 minutes. Great. We're going to set the timer and 45 minutes. That's going to be done. You know, and if the kid cares, 
then that works because they're like, oh, I better finish. If the kid doesn't really care if their homework gets done or not, then that's that's a whole other issue of making them want to care from inside of themselves. But the idea is not just carte blanche, like, oh, you say you're doing homework? Okay, then I guess you're going to be on the computer the whole time. But believe me, like, we struggle with this as well of like, okay, what movies are my kids watching on YouTube while they're doing their homework, you know? <laughs> yes. So even though we don't have personal devices, our kids don't have social media and they don't have phones, but they have YouTube you know, and they've got a computer at home to do their homework on and they've got laptops from their schools. So, so don't think we're saintly, but we are able at least to avoid that social media and video game rabbit hole, but there's a YouTube rabbit hole and that's a pretty big one. So, so it really is a, I think it's like putting the big rocks in first. Like, is your homework really done? Did you get your exercise today? Did you, you know, read your Bible today? Like, did you, like, are the big things in there? And then hopefully there's not these huge swaths of time that are just going to be now wasted on, on just candy. That makes sense. Now, you shared with us earlier about how we can set an example, like at the dinner table and not have phones yeah. or electronics there. And and of course, it has to start with us. Kids aren't just going to choose, <laughs> I think I should not do technology right now. So, totally. so any other tips that you would give us on how we can lead by example to just help our children have that more balanced life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for them, if they see us correct ourselves, that is a good thing. So I know sometimes my husband will tell my kids, hey, I'm going to go on a news fast for a month because it's just kind of overwhelming. And I think that's good for them to see as parents, you also recalibrate when things are getting a little bit too out of hand. When I'm on the phone, like, so I don't like using social media, but as a speaker and an author, like they tell you like, oh, you should post on social media. So people I hear can you. See what you're doing, et cetera, right? <laughs> yep. So I will tell my kids, you know, cause they'll laugh. I'll be like, oh, mom's on Instagram. Mom's on Instagram. You know, they laugh. And I'll tell them like, okay, I'm posting my graphic. I'm posting my quote about my podcast. So here we go. You know, so I'll explain to them like, this is what I'm using it for. So I think that is good. So they can see, A, they can see, okay, there is legitimate work. Uh, to be done, but they also, it also gives you as a parent accountability. Like I just told them I was working. So I guess if they look and I'm on Amazon, this can be a problem. So (laughs) so it kind of helps you. It helps you be a little bit more honest with it. And again, saying to your kids, I struggle with this two kids so that they know like, okay, this, I get it. This is a struggle for everyone. I think that's a better position than you telling your kids do X, Y, and Z while they see that you do the opposite you know? And so, and then another, the last thing I would say is a digital Sabbath, like some kind of reset, whether it's, Hey, we're going to spend Sunday afternoon where everyone's offline and we're going to go to the park instead, you know, something like that. Um, we play ultimate Frisbee every, every Sunday afternoon. So some kind of Sabbath where it's a time where there are no screens, a reoccurring time. So it could be a weeknight, a particular weeknight. It could be from eight o'clock on, we turn off the modem. You know, it could be, you know, you think about what might work, but I think a rhythm of forcibly getting off is helpful, particularly if you have young kids, totally if you have young kids so they can have other skills, hobbies, interests. Having a reading night, Instead, like saying, oh, Tuesday night's our reading night. Everybody, even mom or dad, gets out their book. I mean, can you imagine? And just even set it, set the timer for 10 minutes. Just do it for 10 minutes the first time and then expand it out. Things like that, rhythms, habits that kind of balance out the amount of time we're on screen, just physically, even to be in a different position than hunched over and looking down like you were talking about onto your phone. These are all good habits to try out. 
Yeah. Now where I'm going to have to work on, on that is I use my phone for the camera and I love to take pictures. I love to capture every moment. Yeah. So I'm, I'll be somewhere without my phone. It's like, oh, but I'm missing this moment of capturing yes. this memory. Yeah. And you know what? And you could even just put your phone on airplane mode and explain that to your kids and just say, hey, you know what? I'm just, this is no longer a phone. This is a camera when we go out and I'm just going to put it on airplane mode or do not disturb or however you want to do it and just use it as a phone, as a camera. And I think that's good because that was that's the problem with technology it does it does everything where it used to be it was a typewriter and it could only type so you had only one option so even though this technology is so glorious that's the rub is that oh look i can do a gazillion things with this thing so it's a machine of distraction good tip i like that and so true it just is it does too many things I, i'm still yeah. fine going back to a rotary landline phone yes <laughs> Uh, like, mom, what's that? I saw that in the museum. Right? <laughs> now, for that signature question here on Holly's Highlights, Arlene, if you could go back and tell yourself anything as a kid, what would it be? You know what is so funny? I would tell myself, please learn some sports. Because now that I'm an adult, like my husband's very athletic, my kids are very athletic, and I'm just like, Oh, dear Lord Jesus, help me. So I would tell myself, will you please like learn how to rollerblade or could you please learn how to, you know, I don't know, bike better so so that I could be a little bit more non-lame. <laughs> so I would tell myself, go find a mentor who like could do that and follow them. Oh, how fun. <laughs> now, Arlene, how can our listeners connect further with you? Yeah, so you can go to ArlenePelicane.com, just my name, ArlenePelicane.com. The book we've been talking about is Screen Kids. And I have a movie that we've made of documentary of the kids talking about how, what has it been like without a phone, et cetera. So this is something you can watch yourselves for some inspiration. And also just to know, like, you're not crazy. Because I think that's why most people feel like if I push it back to high school or even later, the phone, people will think I'm crazy. Like they will literally think I'm crazy and I don't know what to do. And I'm really the only one. So go watch screen kids in their own words. And then you will know they are not the only one. And you can find that at happyhomeuniversity.com, happyhomeuniversity.com. And the movie is called screen kids. So that's a good encouragement, I think. And I made a 15 minute version of only my kids talking that you can show to your children so that kids can see other kids like talking about it. Um, so I think that would be helpful. And then of course my podcast is called the happy home. Perfect. Now listener, I am sure that this has helped you out a lot with all just those lingering questions and all things screen time for our kids. And Arlene, I just can't thank you enough for your time invested in being with us today and sharing all these valuable tips, especially the one on the, the airplane. That that was my biggest takeaway from my, my photo. So thank you. You're so welcome. But, thank you so much, Holly. Yeah. You're doing a great job oh. with your kids. You can tell you can tell your daughter that I said so. <laughs> <laughs> I told her I was talking with you today and she's like, oh, great. My chances like, are done. Is gonna make it. She's like, this is going to make it even worse. But do, do tell her that I love her. And I think she has a very bright, happy future because awesome. of her mom. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and for all of us, may we just keep pushing on and keeping our kids safe and healthy when it comes to basically all things technology. Thanks again, Arlene. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review, or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollykirby.com. 
That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.